Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. And you should recognize me. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. I'm Ed. That's Dan. Say hi, Danny boy. Long time no see, bud. It's been a while. Especially since last week's show, well, it happened, but it didn't happen, as technical difficulties prevented us from getting that show out. But nonetheless, we'll give you a quick update. I still suck. Dan was in the lead by 21 games going into this weekend. What a week it was, and it started in Pittsburgh. I had the Steelers. You had the Patriots. Dan, talk to me about Thursday night football. This was actually a a fairly good game when it started, and then it just kind of turned into the game that we thought it would be. Uh, This game had a total of 30. Uh, It went over by eight points. That's the first time. I can't remember the last time I've seen a total that low in a professional football game. Um, Dan, Dan went over. It had 39. The over was 30. Yeah, that's what what I meant. The over was 30. The over-under was 30. Um, 39, like you said. The Army-Navy game was 27 and a half when we watched it close. So, like, that kind of explains to you how bad this game was supposed to be. Um, now, this could lot- be – hold on. I'm going to interrupt you here because this could be satire, and I could be completely wrong on this. But it is entirely possible in the mid to late 90s, some of them Colorado Rockies games with the Chicago Cubs had an over-under higher than what the Army-Navy game was. Uh, that's 100% satire. I, I, it's It's possible, though. Because they, those games it, it may were, have finished with higher totals, but those games were satire. Anyway, please continue. Um, uh, so I mean, we there's a lot to there, there's a there's sort of a lot to talk about, but not really. Um, we'll just I'm just going to touch on some key things because some bigger things actually come out of this game afterwards about these two teams, and I don't want to spend too much on them later on. Bailey Zappi actually looks pretty good, 19 for 28, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, quarterback in rating, the first uh, half he looked good in the first half he looked amazing uh zeke elliott 22 for 68 on the ground seven for 72 through the air with a touchdown uh juju smith schuster showed up against his old team four for 90 uh, the other two touchdowns did go to hunter hunter henry on the other side of the ball mitch trubisky looked like mitch trubisky uh don't really need to dive too much into that they could not get the ground game going this new england defense is good I mean, they gave up 18 points to Pittsburgh, and you go back and you look at the three games before this, giving up less than 10, 10 points or less in the last three games, regardless of the opponents, that's still good in today's NFL. Um, I mean, it's, it's really all I got to add there. Like I said, there's not much to talk about besides Bill Belichick. And tell me a little bit about this this Bill Belichick. Before we get to Bill Belichick, this is going to be our ragging on Pittsburgh for a few seconds. Dan, did you know that the Steelers are the first – team over 500 in NFL history to lose to two games in a season to teams that are eight games or more under 500. In fact, the Steelers are the first team ever to lose two consecutive games to teams with a two and 10 record. None of that surprises me. This is, I mean, this, this was the worst, what, seven and four team in in history, in my opinion. Um, And now they're probably still the worst seven and six team in history. I mean, with the negative point differential and an offense that uh, anemic doesn't even begin to describe it. Negative, not just a negative point differential, a negative set 40 point differential. I mean, it's been, it's been TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith keeping that team afloat. 
And now with injury concerns to both of them, plus Kenny Pickett, although that may be addition by subtraction, things are not all good in the Steel City. Now, what you said about Belichick, there is a report. It's one report. It has not been confirmed by anybody else that after the game in Germany, there was a meeting between the Massage King and Belichick that it was determined that Belichick will not be the head coach of the New England Patriots next season. I like you and I both agreed. We'll believe it when we see it. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I don't have much else to add from this game. We can kind of move on if you're ready. Yeah, there, there, there's nothing. I mean, the Steelers by hook or by crook are still in the playoff picture. So there's that. Another game we don't really need to talk about, and it's another one that I got absolutely wrong. Houston and the Jets. The Jets. The Jets 30, Houston 6. Dan, you have been so high on this Houston Texans team. I mean, I still am. C.J. Stroud, 10 for 23, 91 yards, four sacks, and a fumble. Davis Mills got into this football game. He was one for five for four yards and was sacked. There was no running game to speak of. Devin Singletary, 13 for 65 and a score. No real receiver made any impact, but when you only have 11 completions, that happens. Is this a case of the Jets' defense against a rookie quarterback, or did Stroud just have a bad game? Um, Well, Stroud definitely did just have a bad game, but I also think there is something to say about the whole situation with Zach Wilson last week and the conspiracy that – he was talking to uh, what was the Tim Boyle and Tim Boyle was like, yeah, they're going back to you. And like the rumor, the rumor was is that Tim Boyle was the snitch that snitched out to Diana Rossiti that Zach Wilson didn't want to play quarterback anymore, even though, you know, Zach Wilson was just kind of talking to his buddy, his pal. Um, and I mean, Zach Wilson looked good threw for over 300 yards, uh, 27 for 36, two touchdowns. He, he was in the flow. I mean, I've been saying it. I don't think Zach Wilson is as bad as the numbers say he are. I think that offensive line is that bad. He is. Numbers say he um, is, not he are, you simpleton. Um, on, I mean, there's nothing that positive to talk about on the other side of the ball. C.J. Stroud's questionable this week, so that's a little scary. Um, I'm still high on Houston. I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road for every team. Um, but Zach Wilson looked good. Garrett Wilson looked good. Uh this team is clearly better with Zach Wilson under center since Aaron Rodgers hopefully does Aaron Rodgers hopefully does not play <coughs> this season and they can tighten up that offensive line. So DeMar Hamlin has a stranglehold on comeback player of the year. Uh, now, as as right he should. If Aaron no, Rodgers is no, he should not. No, he should he, not. He died on the football field and came back care. to play the next season. He's got care. it until somebody else does that. But my question is, and you kind of just already gave me an answer. If Aaron if Aaron Rodgers plays week 16 and 17, or 17 and 18, and the Jets are playing meaningful football, i.e. in a playoff race, he has to get it, right? He has to be the comeback player of the year. I mean, you would you would think so. The Jets Coming can back be eliminated from, uh, this week from playoff contention. And if uh, they could also win out and still miss the playoffs too, I believe. Correct. Yes, correct. But that's yeah. something we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Let's move along and let's talk about the next one. And that well, is really, the, really quickly. Uh, are you sure because, you don't want to get to this one? No, just because you brought this up really, uh, really quickly. Um, 
I'm not going to touch on comeback player of the year again. You already brought up Hamlin. I'm not going to voice my opinion. I believe Tua should be hands down be the comeback player of the year after what he went through with concussions last season and the way he's playing this year. Fair enough. Regardless of this Monday night game we're going to talk about here. All right, let's talk about the Ravens narrowly escaping and by the narrowest of margins. 37 to 31. Dan, you got a lot to answer for with this one. The Ravens should not have won this football game. Uh, I think this was, I think they got caught looking ahead and they escaped. I mean, you had a safety, which gave the Rams the lead in the third quarter. The safety was wet condition. So safety's inexcusable. Uh, Tyler Lindenbaum snapped the ball. Lamar, they were off cue on the snap count. Um, rather than Lamar trying to dive on the ball in the end zone to recover it for a safety, he just did the smart thing and kicked it out of out the back of the end zone. So there was no chance mm-hmm. of a dog pile for the touchdown. Um, was a little inexcusable. For some reason, they just didn't run the ball. I mean, you look at these rush attempts. You take out Lamar's 11 carries because I, I want to say maybe three of them were designed runs, not many. Um, they only ran the ball 15 times, which is weird for this Ravens team, especially in the conditions that I was driving through to get home. And it was like that at home, uh, rainy, windy. Like, it, it, I don't understand why there was 43 pass attempts from the offensive side of the ball. Because they were down in the fourth quarter. I was getting ready to say, obviously, we're playing from behind. But I want to say in the first half, we only ran the ball a total of maybe nine times. Maybe. If that, like, you need to run more. Odell looked good. Uh, Lamar looked good. Likely Flowers. Those three guys had big games. On the other side of the ball, uh, Cup and Nakua, man, they they are the real deal. Uh, Demarcus Robinson got in the end zone against us. Uh, old team probably enjoyed that one. On the other side of the ball uh, is actually where I want to talk about with the Ravens. Kyle Hamilton, he did have seven total tackles and four solo, and he did not play much of the second half. Uh, it is a sprained MCL. He's mm-hmm. week to week, and that is a huge loss for this Ravens team. Mm-hmm. Huge loss. Um. Go ahead if, if you want to say anything. As you can see, the fumble was on Tyler Lindenbaum as well. That fumble was not on Lamar, so it wasn't. That that that, that that's what I was gonna say. Like you always say, there's there's you can always count on Lamar Jackson fumbling the football, and he fumbles one, and the safety is should be on him, but it's not. Um, that's the first time I've, I think I've ever actually seen a fumble on a center. To be completely honest, uh, I, I can't remember the last time I've, I've seen one. One being charged that way? Surely the the one in, in the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. That had to go to the center. You know what I'm talking The first play from scrimmage and he hiked it over Manning's head. <clears throat> that had to be it. But um, how about Justin Tucker is once again the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. I, was gonna I, I told you I here. would mention it. But yes. Um, so the Ravens are now 10-3. First place in the AFC. They have some interesting tests coming up. Do they hold that spot? I mean, you control your own destiny. You have to like. Right. But they play Jacksonville this week, San Francisco next week in San Francisco, in Jacksonville, two very, very, very tough road games. Then they host Miami in Baltimore, which honestly is probably the best thing you can have because that'll keep that Miami air raid attack down because of the weather. And then they finish week 18 at home against Pittsburgh and say what you will about the Steelers, but that's an interdivisional game. Agreed. Uh, I believe we they go have to go three and stretch. one. They have to I go three and one. Do. I okay. believe they go three and one through that stretch. Um, 
four and zero is obviously ideal, but I do think three and one. I think Jacksonville, um, the hot, uh, yeah, possible frauds calling, and it shows me the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, I don't believe Lawrence is a hundred percent healthy either. Uh, and this is also a Sunday night game. So you're talking about a Ravens team that gets up for primetime games. Um, not saying Jacksonville doesn't, but you're talking about a team that's in primetime games a lot more than the other. Uh, so I, I, I feel, I feel very confident this week. Like I said, I think they were looking ahead through the Rams. That's, that's all I got. I mean, I, I think they were preparing for this game for two weeks almost. All right. Let's talk about my confidence pick that I actually got right this week. And got the bonus point. The New Orleans Saints, 28. Carolina Panthers, 6. We don't really need to go too deep into this. Um, Derek Carr was back. And Derek Carr did a lot of good things. The Saints had a fumble return for a touchdown. So they were kind of clicking on all cylinders. Eddie Pinheiro, with 47 yards and 29 yards field goals, was the offense for Carolina. Um, (coughs) Derek Carr does not like being sacked. Did you see that play? I did. And it was one of the funniest reactions I've ever seen in my life. He and almost got beat up by his center. He almost got beat up by his center. I loved every minute of it. As as a, as an offensive lineman in high school, I know exactly what that guy's going through. And I love being some Derek Carr, but he just kind of needs to shut up every once in a while. Um, Bryce Young, 13 for 36 for 137. And a lost fumble. That's bad. I feel bad for Bryce. Um, there's no way somebody was that good in college and is now that bad in the pros, right? I mean, he's got DJ Chark. He's got Adam Thielen, although Thielen is at the back end of his career. Chuba Hubbard. Um, I mean, he's got weapons around him he can use. But I don't know. There's something's got to be done there. Let's Let's move along from this one. Not really much. We need to recognize here, Agreed. other than the fact that Alvin Kamara had three catches for negative 11 yards. Since last week's show had the difficulties, Carolina is officially eliminated from playoff contention as of two weeks ago. Oh, my. All right. Well, let's move along. Let's go to Indianapolis and Cincinnati with the Bengals working out a 34-14 victory to retain that playoff spot. And I believe push Indy out of a wild card, if I'm not mistaken. I, well, you keep, you, you go over this one and I will give you that information here in just a second. Um, the, you know, we had some fireworks with a, uh, Chase Brown, 54 yard pass from Jake Browning, who looks like he's the real deal. And then Ronnie Harrison picked off, um, Ronnie Harrison picked off Jake Browning. And the Colts converted it for two to tie the game with 131 left in the second quarter. In fact, the this was a 14 to nothing game, and then in a span of 25 seconds, the Colts tied the game with a Mo Ali Cox two-yard pass from Garner Minshew and a failed extra point, followed by the pick six, and then a two-point conversion Pittman to or Pittman from Minshew. Um, and then Cincinnati woke up in the third quarter, another Browning touchdown pass, and then a Browning run. And then Evan McPherson tacked on two, uh, basically two extra points with the game out of reach, or to put the game out of reach. Uh, Jake Browning, 
there's not much of a drop off here. 18 for 24, 275, two TDs, and a pick. AJ McCarron, St. Louis Battlehawk <laughs> alumnus, completed a pass. Yeah, love to see it. Garner Minshew didn't have himself a bad game either. 26 for 39, 240, a TD, a pick, and three sacks. Um, but the big story here, Indianapolis couldn't run the football. And they didn't really try to run the football with only 18 attempts for not even 50 yards. Indianapolis has to run the football to succeed. Do they not, Danny Boy? Yeah, and it looks like they're missing Jonathan Taylor. It doesn't look like it's as uh, it doesn't look like it's as as good as it was uh, the first time Taylor was missing in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati put themselves back in the conversation. Uh, Indianapolis is currently still sitting at the seven seed due to the tiebreaker uh, over the other seven and six teams based off best win percentage in conference mm. games. There you go. Um. One last thing, Joe Mixon did go over 100 yards, 21 for 79 in the score on the ground, 3 for 46 through the air. Chase Brown, 8 for 25 on the ground, 3 for 80 through the air, and a score including that 54-yard touchdown catch in the first quarter. Let's move along. Let's go to Atlanta, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers improved to 6-7, and seven, dropping the Falcons to 6-7 and seven with a 29-25 victory. This is a game you got right and I got wrong. Yes. Talk to me about it, Danny Boy. Uh, Desmond Ritter looked like shit. Baker Mayfield looked decent. <clears throat> um, Rashad White was kind of <laughs> the big carrier. The, he kind of put this team on his back on the ground. Uh, caught two for 33 for the air, 25 for 102 on the ground, getting over 100 yards. It's huge for him, uh, especially considering they actually did it on the ground. Normally, this Tampa Bay team is a team that uses that uses him as a pass catcher out of the backfield to kind of work that running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Godwin, solid game. Mike Evans was very quiet, one for eight on six targets. On the other side of the ball, Drake London did have himself a day. 11 targets, 10 receptions, 172 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts, six targets, three receptions, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Bijan is finally getting the work that I feel like he should, and he even needs more. He did lead the team in carries. Led the receivers, uh, the backs in targets as well. Um, but this is a he division. He was the only bad to get a target. Yes. Um, and he got seven of them. Um, but besides that, I don't really have much else to say, man. Um, this game isn't one. This is a division that's going to get a home game when they probably don't deserve it, if we're being honest. When they're they're going to get smacked by either the Cowboys or the Falcons. Or Cowboys or the Eagles, excuse me. Uh, how do you say Desmond Ritter looked bad? 26 for 40, 347, a TD. He did throw a pick, but he also added four for 15 on the ground and, and a touchdown. And he fumbled twice. Neither of them were lost. Still fumbled twice. Um, this was another game that had a safety, as he as Ritter was sacked in the end zone by Antoine Winfield and Pat O'Connor. <laughs> so there was that, but that only made it 12 to 10. But ultimately, it was a four-point game and out of two, so did it really matter? Yeah. Let's talk about a game that did matter, the Cleveland. I almost got that out as excited with how often. The Cleveland Browns, 31. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 27. Both teams now sit at eight and five, and Cleveland is the five spot in the AFC. Uh, Dan, I watched this game in its entirety. And it brought back some old feelings for me. Now, these old feelings stretch back years and years and years. Because if I have learned one thing from being a Browns fan, it's the fact that the game isn't over until both teams are in the locker room. Because there are things like Bottlegate. There are things like 
the fumble or the drive or, you know, the Browns blowing a 10-point lead in the final minute of a game. Stuff like that. I sincerely thought we were going to see that again this this week. Dustin Hopkins kicked a 55-yard field goal, and it is nice to have a kicker that can do something. To make it 31-21 with 3-10 remaining, Jacksonville got the football, went down, and Evan Ingram with a two-yard pass from Trevor Lawrence, the point conversion failed, scored to make it 31-27. The Browns recovered the onside kick, and everything was great, but still. I know nobody ever recovers an onside kick anymore, but the butthole puckers tightly. Uh, David Njoku, underrated as a tight end. And I feel like I say this all the time, but. You actually say the complete opposite. You say David Njoku has nothing but hands of stone. He's a complete waste of space on the field and he sucks. That is actually what you've said about David Njoku on multiple occasions this season. Well, this is true. This is, this is true. And he did have the only drop the Cleveland Browns had this week. But he also caught two touchdowns with the first two drives. So, Well, I believe it was the first two drives, maybe two of the first three. One from 34 and one from 30. Joe Flacco, he's got to play next season, right? You think Joe Flacco plays next season? Um, He gets a, back, he gets a backup job somewhere. Does he? Because, I mean, I don't know, man. Whoever drafts Caleb Williams, I'd have I'd have them sit under Joe Flacco's learning tree for a year. I mean, if you're Cleveland, do you bring him back? He gets what? How many home games? Eight home games in his career? He's nine, nine and three. He'll get nine and next year. So it gets he gets nine games inside Cleveland Stadium where he's just a perennial winner after beating up on that team for so long as a Baltimore Raven. He is nine and three in Cleveland. Um. There are some things to talk about, Mr. Flacco, when, when it comes to this. Joe Flacco is one touchdown pass away from tying Kenny Pickett's season total. Joe Flacco has played a grand total seven quarters. Joe Flacco became the first Brown to throw three touchdown passes of at least 30 yards in a single game since Brian Sype on December 21st, 1980. Do you know who Brian Sype is? No idea. He's the best Browns quarterback, arguably. Right, He's right up there with Bernie Kosar. Uh, games with 250 passing yards and two-plus TDs. Joe Flacco, two in the last two weeks. The Steelers, since Big Ben has retired, have had none. Just want to throw all that out there because that pleases me on a deeply personal level. Um, what else do you got from this one there, bud? Um, I think you covered it. Uh, the Jacksonville side of the ball, Trevor Lawrence looked awful. Three touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, bringing that same energy next week, please. And we'll he was see. under duress a lot, too. Like, the four sacks don't do him justice. He was moving around that pocket a lot. Um, I kind of wanted to see what he would have what would have happened to him if Miles Garrett would have been healthy and is able to stay on the field. But that's another story for next week. Let's move along. Let's go to the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. This was another uh, shocker, Ed. Uh, one of the upsets of the week, and honestly, it's probably a pretty glaring one because this exposes Detroit. I actually don't know if this is one of the upsets of the week after what happened on Monday night. It's one of them. It was the leading candidate up until Monday night. 
Uh, the Bears 28, the Lions 13, and the Lions did not deserve the 13 points that they got. Jameer Gibbs on a 12-yard rush, and Josh Reynolds on an 8-yard pass from Jared Goff. One of those had a missed extra point. This was a 10-0 game, and the Lions made it 13-10 right before halftime. And then Chicago shut them out in the second half. Justin Fields on 11-yard rush and a failed two-point conversion. Cairo Santos missed an extra point after a DJ Moore 30-yard or 38-yard catch from Justin Fields. And then Santos had field goals from 25 and 28. So that Lions defense did turn Chicago away in the red zone. But still, the Lions did not look great. Have the Lions got complacent and sort of gone to cruise control because of how big of a lead they have with this division? Like, do you think they're maybe coming out a little bit flat? I'm just spitballing here. I I don't ever want to think that any NFL team would do that. Like, the whole cliches about, oh, you know, they're looking past them or they didn't want it enough or, or you know, they, 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 I hate all those cliches. However, if there was ever a case for one of them to be true, it's this one. I mean, Jared Goff, 20 for 35 for 161, a TD and two interceptions. I mean, that yards per attempt ratio is awful. Um, but David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, they did their part. They combined for 21 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown. So you really can't fault the running game. This one's kind of on golf. The two turnovers proved to be costly. Justin Fields, 19 for 33, 223, a TD and no turnovers. He had a 58 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown on the ground. That's the Justin Fields the Bears need for the Bears to win. Agreed. That If Justin Fields does this a few more times, maybe the Bears don't look at going after another quarterback, and maybe their decision is made for next season. We'll have to wait Bears. and see. If you're the Bears, but do you actually move from that number one spot if you get it? That's the question. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to make that. That's, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, that, like, if Fields finishes this season strong, that may make Marvin Harrison Jr. the de facto number one overall pick because are you really going to be able to move down the number two to ensure that? It, de- it depends. It depends I mean, on what I can get. If I can I mean, get a couple of number ones, maybe I let Harrison walk. And maybe I go after some offensive line help. I mean, because right now your Chicago has the one and the five with – the, with the three in between being New England, Arizona, and Washington. So you know Caleb's going to one of those three teams. And, well, actually, New England and Washington probably are it because Arizona just gave Kyler a ton of money. So I'm just going to – Well, for, here, well we, we can argue about that later on. because Well, here's where argue. something that we talked about comes into play. If Belichick is out, when is Belichick out? Because if he's out before the draft – I absolutely tell New England, I'm drafting Caleb Williams unless you guys want to talk and give me your first this year, your first next year, and then I'll move down to two, and I'll take Marvin Harrison. You can have your quarterback, and I turn it into another number one pick next year. When they are going to start a rookie quarterback or Mac Jones with a first-year head coach. Let's move along. San Francisco improves to 10-3 with a home victory. 
Over the now six and seven Seattle Seahawks. 28 to 16 was the score. Um, Debo Samuel did Debo Samuel things with a 54 yard catch from Brock Purdy and a one yard run. Uh, George Kittle had a 44 yard pass from Brock Purdy, who I saw an interesting stat on Brock Purdy. Dan, are you ready for this? Given his salary this year, Brock Purdy would have to play 805 seasons to make the same amount of money Shohei Otani is making on his 10-year, $700 million contract he signed with the Dodgers. That's insane. And Purdy has a... can't wait to do that baseball show. Purdy has a really good outside shot on winning the MVP. And I don't think it's an outside shot. He may be a front runner to win the MVP. Seattle can't run the football 20 for 70 on the ground with no scores. Um, Gino, is there something wrong? Is there something Gino wrong with that offense? Out. Gino was hurt. Gino was hurt. Is there something? Is it, let me finish. Is there something wrong with that offense with Drew Locke? Because Locke didn't look bad, but I think if Gino's playing, this is a different. This game is called completely different, and I think maybe it's more of a danger for San Francisco than when you I have agree. Drew Locke sitting back there passing. <laughs> I agree. Um, Zach Charbonnet, Carbonet, Carbono, whatever. Nine for 44, one for one for four yards through the air. You got to get more from your running back. Kenneth Walker, eight for 21. Dude, this may be the hardest team to run against in the league now with that front. Yeah, but still, I mean, can we talk about CMC or do we need to? 16 no, for 145 and one catch for eight yards. The dude's a monster. Debo, seven for 149 and a score. Brandon Ayuk, six for 126. Uh, George Debo Kittle, three six and a score. I'm sorry? Debo had two scores. He with ran one with a two. run, with a one-yard rush. Yes, that is correct. Uh, Jordan Mason got into it with four for 20 and a score. Uh, Brock Purdy, 368. This is, a, this is playing on Madden. Like, this is a Madden team. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Let's move along. When your quarterback uh, makes the minimum amount that you can make in the league, that's what happens. Speaking of the minimum amount you can do in the league, the Minnesota Vikings improved to 7-6, and six, beating the Las Vegas Raiders in <coughs> Vegas, who are this now by the Matrix, game of the week. By a score of 3 to nothing. Dan, I was messaging you as this was happening, and I was telling you, we're going to see a nothing-to-nothing tie. This was bad. This was bad, bad, bad. Greg Joseph, a 36-yard field goal, was the only scoring. It happened just on the bad side of the two-minute warning with 157 left for Minnesota. Um, this was just a bad game. Vegas couldn't run the football. Vegas couldn't do anything. Um, Minnesota really couldn't do anything. They ran a little bit. But um, Nick Mullins is now the quarterback for Josh Dobbs. Yes. To Dobbs' credit, he was running for his life. He was sacked five times, one, finished 10 for 23 for 63 yards. Um, is he done? Is Mullins the starter next next week? Uh, yeah, it's already been announced Mullins to start. And that is why I picked who I picked coming up. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called a teaser. Uh, there's nothing else we really need to cover here. This, this game was – it happened. Let's move on. The Denver Broncos improved to seven and six and improved to six and one in their last seven games with a 24 to seven victory in SoFi Stadium as they got the extra home game against the Chargers, 
who are now five and eight and in danger of being really bad. Cortland Sutton had the highlight of the game, a 46-yard pass from Russ Wilson. Dan, Russ is cooking. He absolutely is. Um, there's no other way to put it. I told you I liked him. Uh, I picked them to win this week against that Chargers team. I believe you did not. You didn't. Um, Herbert's done for the year. Keenan Allen magically is out this week. Pack it in, Brandon Staley. Enjoy your last few weeks of the season because you, saw will be fired on Black Tuesday, Monday. Congratulations, Brandon Staley. You are the next coach of the New England Patriots. I doubt that. I don't think that'll happen. I bet you it does. Uh, Easton Stick, 13 for 24, 179 in the mop-up role. He also lost a fumble. Speaking Um, of Easton Stick, with the quarterback change in Minnesota, and Nick Mullins getting his first start of the season, and Easton Stick getting his first start of the season coming up here, that will make over 55-plus different starting quarterbacks in the NFL, which is a new league record in a single season. And keep in mind, we still have, what, four weeks to go after this? Yep. So that can keep climbing. And keep in mind, this record was set last week last as well. Year. Last week. This record was set last week as well when it was at 52. So we have all of that. Um, Austin Eckler went over 100 on 15 total touches and a touch. He had exactly 100 with 15 touches and a touchdown. Quentin Johnson, three for 91, including a 57-yard grab. Um, There's nothing else we really need to talk about this one. Denver's dangerous. And maybe it did take some time for Russ to find his recipe book. Um, But Denver may win this division. Dan, I have a question for you. If you ever decided to, you know, have a wild horse presented to you and somebody said, Dan, let's go, what would you say? Broncos country, let's ride. I feel like I went a long way to get you to say that. I mean, I feel I, like, I, I I, I feel like that was a near miss. Yeah. Let's talk about another near miss. The Buffalo Bills. Whew, one toe over the line. Sweet Jesus. They get the victory and approve to seven and six and stay afloat in the AFC playoff picture as the Kansas City Chiefs missed it by that much. In a 20-17 loss at Arrowhead Stadium. The biggest thing to come from this one may be the attitudes of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It may be the fact that everybody is complaining about one call when another call absolutely could have been made. But Dan, walk me through that last play. I can't. Um... Or the most famous play, I should say. Lines up. I watched this back. I've watched different camera angles from fans and everything alike. He puts his fist out to check with the ref, but doesn't actually look at the ref. He's look basically looking in Von Miller's ear hole. The ref has to move to see the ball. So it's listen. There was a video shown by Dan Orlovsky on TV of him lining up in the same exact position four, five, six other times in the game. Should they have called it previously? Yes. But you know what? I guess the ref was sick of it, him not paying attention to him. 
doing one of these, like, yeah, I'm good, right? And then just not acknowledging it, not looking over to see it. And he called it. I mean, let's be honest. If you're that ref, you probably, if you could go back in time and knew what play was going to happen, you probably don't throw that flag. And and that's another thing that needs to be pointed out too. It's not like he threw this flag after Kelsey lateraled it to Tony for the for the touchdown. He threw this flag at the snap. If so that, that is going to be a penalty, no matter what. If that's a incomplete pass, then the Chiefs like about, that. Yeah, the Chiefs gets, like that because they get the extra down back, right? With a loss of five yards, right? So I, it, why everybody's up in arms about it? It's almost like if it's an incomplete pass, it's nothing. If it's a if it's a run play and you're running for three, four yards, which you're not running in that situation anyway because of where you are in the game. But if that's called at any different point because of what happened after that, is why it became such a big deal. Absolutely. And it's not really it's not really fair to that ref. I can't believe him defending a referee here. Well, the thing about it is too. Yes, Tony was offside, offensively offside which apparently is the only time that's been called in Andy Reid's 25,000 offensive snaps. But what people fail to realize is the right guard was in the backfield. If that doesn't get flagged for Tony being offside, that should absolutely be uh, illegal formation. Too many men in the backfield. But nobody's going to bring that up either. They're just going to throw a glaring thing. Directed his job. How dare he? Oh, my God. The the Chiefs lost for Taylor Swift there. Ah. Uh. But it's whatever. Josh Allen, 23 for 42, 233 a TD, a pick, 11 for 32, and a score on the ground. We can go through these stats all we want, but in reality, the only thing this that we need a, to talk about was that last play. I Dan, mean, this was a huge game for both of these teams. Like, this keeps Buffalo in the playoff picture, and this was a huge swing for Kansas City because now Denver's only a game behind them looking down their backs. And this could have ramifications for tiebreakers – Seating wise, 100%. because if, if the Chiefs do win out and they finish 12 and what five and say Baltimore does fall to 12 and five and go two and two on the final four games, this has direct implications for the seating. I mean, not to mention, actually, in, in hindsight, this is a huge game for this is a huge game for Buffalo to win that as well, because with a game we haven't talked about yet, but with Miami's loss. Miami has the Jets, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills. The Bills could realistically be playing for this division in week 18. That's asking a lot for the Jets to do something there. No, I mean, well, they play Baltimore at home. They play the Cowboys, too. So, and let's be honest, I've been wrong about the Cowboys all season. I'm I'm going to admit that. Like, they look great. Um, they could beat the Jets, lose their next two, and Buffalo can have a chance at this division. If Buffalo wins their next... Uh... I'm glad you admitted you were wrong about the Cowboys because that's where we're going to go next. We're going to go to AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys expose the Philadelphia Eagles. 33-13, the Eagles are now fifth in the NFC and the Cowboys are first in that division. Um, this was big, and this was the Sunday night game. Uh, Brandon Aubrey for Dallas, 59-45 and 50. He had himself a day. Granted, it was in a stadium. Jake Elliott also added one from 50 and from 44. 
Uh, the Eagles had a fumble recovery that kept them in the game at 10:41 of the third quarter to end a Cowboys drive, taking it. Jalen Carter, 42 yards for the score that really kind of made this one interesting in an 11-point game early in the third, but that Cowboys defense looked good. And the Cowboys defense looked very good. Yeah, and, very, uh, very good. I mean, it's – Stefan Gilmore was, looked like a blast from the past, to be completely honest, playing DB uh, on Sunday night. Um, I also would like to say I want to give myself – I want to give you some credit here. You uh, you had a better week than me this week. I did tell you before I left your house that I thought Buffalo and Dallas were going to win. Uh, I backed that up, and I bet on both of those games. Uh, so I won money, even though I lost in the standings. Um, but I mean, there's not. I mean, I don't. I don't have much to add from this game. I just CD Lamb did CD Lamb things. A you, your dog uh, is just chomping on something. Having just a grand old time. You know who she's, else had a grand old time? Herself. You know who else had just the grandest of times? A.J. Brown, 9 for 94. He did lose a fumble, which turned out to be pretty costly. But uh, Dak Prescott looks like he's back to Dak Prescott of old. And looks like he may be an absolute MVP candidate. 24 for 39, 271 and two scores. He had a 3 for 11 on the ground. He did lose another fumble. His only turnover but uh, Dak is having himself a year, and it this may shut up a lot of people that question Dak Prescott. Dak is your leading MVP, uh, leading MVP odds right now. It's uh, Dak at plus 160, Purdy at plus 200, Lamar 550, Jalen, Chua, Tyreek, Mahomes. This was on Monday before the Monday night games. I think Tyreek has shown that he is way more valuable than Tua and should probably be in the top three. Um, and Christian McCaffrey should be up there as well. Christian McCaffrey should be number one, in my opinion. I'm because, actually going to say it should be Tyreek. Eh, I don't know about all that. Let's move along. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, who shot themselves in the foot against the New York Giants. This was bad if you're a Packers fan because Jordan Love looked terrible. Um. The Giants were able to run the football to the tune of 209 yards and two scores on 34 carries. Tommy DeVito, 17 for 21. 158 and a score. He added 10 rushes for 71 yards. Is he the answer going forward for the Giants the rest of the season, next season, and so forth? Well, the rest of the season, yes, because Daniel Jones is done for the year. Um, moving forward, depending on how this team finishes, I think you may have to ask yourself that question, to be completely honest, because he looks very calm, cool, and collected behind a bad offensive line that Daniel Jones did not look uh, comfortable behind. You see the way this team interacts with him, uh, Saquon being one of them. If you want to bring that star, that dude back, um, and he tells you, hey, Tommy's on, Tommy's the guy. Like, guys on the field have a better feeling for it. The team has bought into him, kind of like with the Jets and Mike White last year. Um, but, I mean, Tommy fucking cutlets, bro. This dude just looks so good. Um, did you hear De- uh, Brian Dables after the, after the game? No. I, I like to sleep. So he he made the comments. He was asked, you know, how was it, you know, talking to Tommy about going out there in the last place? He said, oh, you don't have to worry about nerves with that kid. He just goes out there, 
you say these are the these are the first four plays that you're gonna call uh, in that two minute drill, and uh, you just let him sling the fucking rock. Oh wow! Even dropped the f bomb, did he? What a yeah. New Yorker thing. Um, just to give you guys a little insight on what Dan is talking about, Devito completed his first four passes. For five, seven, nine, and then a big nail in the coffin, a 32-yard pass to Wandale Robinson with 49 seconds left to go from his own 46 to the Green Bay 22. That was followed by two rushes by, or, I'm sorry, three rushes by Saquon Barkley that netted a grand total of four yards. And then the 37-yard field goal as time expired by Randy Bullock to ice the game, which really they didn't need to kick it i guess they could have just run around and taken a knee given the fact it was already a one-point game but you know honestly low-key that's a dumb decision to kick that field goal is it not or am i do i have the no they actually did have to kick it to to win the game yeah they had to kick yeah i i have that confused i'm i was thinking of the iron bowl but yeah 22 21 how big is that missed Two-point conversion? Two conversion from Jordan uh, Love. Well, the two-point conversion play call was the dumbest thing you could have ever done. Anyway, if you're going to give the ball to somebody on a two-point conversion, why are you giving it to a 180-pound wide receiver? Why aren't you giving that ball to A.J. Dillon and letting him bounce to the outside? Or letting Jordan Love go to the outside and use that speed he has. Or just letting Jordan Love throw the ball because he threw the ball very well on that drive. He Well, he to be fair, he didn't all night. I actually disagree. There were a lot of passes that Jordan Love mm. put. Did you watch the Manning cast? Because they talked about it. And I, I did not. Them. I actually am a glutton for punishment and watched the ABC broadcast. So they talked about it. His, some of his incompletions, he put the ball where only his receiver could make a play on it if a play could be made. Because this Giants defense is not the same Giants defense we watched in the beginning of the season. It's absolutely insane how quick they turned that around. Um, And I don't think Love looked bad. I just think this New York team is just out there having fun. And it's something they didn't do in the beginning of the year. That may sound dumb, but they're out there literally playing for nothing. They're playing spoiler at this point. Look, when I I listened to... And I know it's it's whatever, listening and watching are two different things. But when I went down to see you, when the Browns played Baltimore in Baltimore, I got to listen to that uh, giant, whoever the Giants played that week. I got to listen to that game on the way back. And it sounded so depressing to hear these announcers talk about just how bad the Giants were. And they are a completely different football team now than what they were then. Um, Let's go to the final game of the week, and this one was history-making. The Tennessee Titans improved to 5-8, and and the Dolphins fall to 9-4 with a 28-27 victory at Hard Rock Stadium, the square beyond compare in Miami. Dan, are you ready for some ridiculous history? So before you read off any of these stats, I just would like to make it known. Will Levis is a terrible fucking quarterback. Proceed. Uh, Oh, thank you. Uh, The Miami Dolphins are the first team in NFL history to lose in regulation while – I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Before Monday night, NFL teams were 0-767, went down by 14 or more in under three minutes left in the fourth quarter 
since 2016. They are now 1-767. and In fact, the Miami Dolphins are the first team in NFL history to lose a game in regulation while winning by 14 points or more with less than three minutes on the clock. 17,561 other teams won a game in that situation. Miami is the only one to not. Just to break it down for you guys a little bit more. Thanks to a Raheem Mostert five-yard rush, his second of the game, at 4.34 left of the fourth quarter, the Dolphins were up 27-13 to after Jason Sanders converted the extra point. The Tennessee Titans got the football, went down the field, and DeAndre Hopkins from Will Levis, three yards away, made it 27-19. Nick Westbrook Ekine caught the two-point conversion from Will Levis to make it a six-point game. Then what happened, Dan? Then Will Levis was the worst quarterback in the league and somehow came back almost like he was a robot and scored. Uh, well, they kicked the football off with 240 remaining. It was a touchback. Raheem Mostert up the middle for three yards, timeout Tennessee. Raheem Mostert, left guard, one yard, timeout Tennessee. They had one left. Tua scrambles up the middle for four yards. Not enough for the first down. Penalty, <coughs> offensive holding, decline it. Clock stops. It's literally almost like this was like, Mike McDaniel, you are probably one of the smartest quarterbacks out there. Why? Or Mike McDonald, whatever the hell his name is. It's irrelevant right now because that's some of the worst play calling you could possibly have when you're trying to to do like I I don't understand I don't I, understand. I, hold on I don't see how you think that's bad play calling. You give the football to your running back twice. You get them to burn two timeouts. Then you put the football in your MVP quarterback's hands to let him run or try to find somebody. Good coverage downfield. Offensive holding. You can't fault that. That's not on the coach. That's on the player. Nothing about what Mike McDaniel did was wrong. He made the smart <coughs> plays his players didn't execute. But with 224 left, the Dolphins punted from their own 33, didn't get a good punt. It got returned by Eric Guerrer, 14 yards to the Tennessee 36. 215 left. They have a timeout and the two-minute warning. They didn't need the timeout. First play from scrimmage, Will Levis finds DeAndre Hopkins for 36 yards. Next play before the two-minute warning, Will Levis. I'm not... Ogonko, I'm not even going to try his first name, 16 yards, puts the ball at the Miami 12-yard line at the two-minute warning. Hand the ball off to Ty J. Spears for six yards, taking it down to the Miami six. Miami calls timeout with 153 left. They're trying to get the football back. Defensive delay of game. Half the distance to the goal, second and one from the three. Derrick Henry, three yards. Did you see that call? Dirt. I did not. That was one. I can't even describe it. They like did a line shift, like not like running players off the line, like the offensive line shifted to the left all at the same time. And it caused Tennessee's offensive linemen to move. And they called it a defensive delay game. I don't understand that. You like, I almost want to say, pause this, go watch it, but I'm going to make you watch it afterwards. It, mm. 
the call makes no sense. So, so no, I, I was thinking of the wrong when I was talking earlier. I was thinking of the wrong play calls. So you're good. When I said oh. it was the worst offensive play calling there was. Um. Uh, all right. To be fair, Miami had the football with more than enough time to do what they needed yeah. to do. This is where I didn't agree with the play calling. First and 10 from their own 26, 145 left, no timeouts, but you still have Tyreek. You still have Tua. You have weapons. Short pass, short pass. You get a first down. All right, 119 left. Your clock's still running. You miss a chain. Fine. Short pass, seven yards. Challenge, it's fine. It's a catch. Third and three. You go for a chain for one yard on a third down pass. And this bugs me about every football team ever, ever. Why are you running a route short of the first down marker? Yep. Third and three. You don't pick it up to it. Get sacked on the next play game over. Um, Tua like didn't even get sacked. He just fell. It is what it is. Uh, it, it's the NFL. It doesn't shock me anymore, but it is. <clears throat> It is what it is. Let's take a look at the standings going into this coming week. Dan, talk to me about what's going on. All right. So in the AFC, your number one overall seed heading into the playoffs, if they were to start today, is the Baltimore Ravens. Your number Stop two seed doing that. That is, is so – I hate that so much. I actually do it because I know how much you hate Ohio State, so I just took the V from that. Um. But now that you gave me the reaction I wanted, I probably will stop. Uh, the number two seed is the Miami Dolphins. The number three seed is Kansas City Chief. They win the tiebreaker over Jacksonville based on head-to-head. Jacksonville is sitting at eight and five in the four seed. Cleveland is sitting at eight and five in the five seed. Pittsburgh and Indy round out your wild cards. In the hunt, basically everybody. Um, but we'll just talk about Except the New England. Things. Except New England. Yes, we will just talk about the seven and six teams because they are the ones that matter, in my opinion. Um, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo are all in the hunt on the NFC side of the ball, unless you have something to add here from the AFC side, Ed. It's good to see that the Browns are a game clear, and they're not in that seven and six muck. Um, The number one seed is San Francisco, and San Francisco has clinched a playoff berth as well. Uh, they are the number one seed tied with Dallas based on head-to-head win percentage. Dallas is sitting at two. They win the tiebreaker over Philadelphia based on head-to-head win percentage. Three because of victories against each other, by the way. San Francisco demolishing Dallas and Dallas beating Philadelphia. Yeah, well, yes. Well, Philadelphia actually has it based on best win percentage in the division. I was wrong. Um, three is Detroit. Four is Tampa. They win the tiebreaker over Atlanta based on best win percentage in common games. Wins the tiebreaker over New Orleans based on head-to-head win percentage. Philly at five. Six and seven are Minnesota and Green Bay. Uh, In the hunt here, literally almost everyone. Almost everyone. Except Arizona and Carolina. Uh, And I'm going to exclude Washington as well. Um, Hey, there are two games out, man. So we have uh, the Rams, Seattle, Atlanta, and New Orleans all in the hunt at six and seven. Uh, the Giants and the Bears at five and eight. And then Ed tells me I have to include Washington at four to nine, at four and nine. How about the Giants being a game out of the playoffs? 
absolutely insane. That is bonkers to me. Um, all right, let's go to my favorite part of the show, Danny Boy. Are you ready? Um, no, I'm not. Because well, too bad we're the, doing it anyway. Dan, did you know that the Giants, the Commanders, the Bears, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Rams, the Seahawks? Look, why did you do that? Because I don't need it. I did. I was reading that just now. No, I didn't delete anything you were reading. Buffalo, the Jets, New England, Cincinnati, Houston, Tennessee, Denver, the Chargers, and Vegas all could win out and still miss the playoffs. Yes, because I told you that. Dan, here's a friendly reminder for you. Mike Trout and Andy Pettit have the same number of career postseason RBIs with one. Does that shock you? No. And did you know that there are only three players in Major League Baseball history to have 300 or more doubles, 200 or more home (laughs) runs, 200 or more stolen bases before their age 30 season? Those players are Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, and Jose Ramirez. You know what they all three have in common? Well, two of the three are steroid guys, but all three started their career in small market teams. All three of them are steroid guys. Jose Ramirez is not a steroid guy. Look at him, he takes juice. I I disagree. Dan, did you know that Joe Flacco is the oldest QB in Browns history to throw a touchdown pass? Narrowly beating out Brandon Whedon. And Dan, did you know going into last week, the tight end receiving yards leaders were Travis Kelsey of the University of Cincinnati, followed by TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, and Sam Laporta, all University of Iowa. That shock you? Tight end you, baby. Ed, on your odds-on leaders right now for Defensive Player of the Year are Micah Parsons at minus 130, so he is your odds-on favorite. Ew. Miles Garrett. At plus 175, T.J. Watt at plus 650. Uh, There's a lot of people who are angry about T.J. Watt being plus 650. And then I'm really anybody over that's over 1,000, so we're not going to talk about. Your defensive rookie of the year is Jalen Carter, it looks like, minus 600. I mean, the dude does kind of deserve it. Yeah, he's the hands-down winner there. And then your offensive player of the year leader right now is Tyreek at minus 250. CMC sitting at plus 175. See, I still – everybody else is is out of that. It's a two-man race. And I I greatly disagree with everything on there. Um, Let's go to our picks for this week. Dan, Vegas is going to host the Chargers. I have the Chargers. You have Vegas. And that's your confidence pick. Why? Uh, Brandon Staley sucks and Easton sticks is, uh, going to be minus any type of real weapons. It feels like I'm not going to lie. Had I, that would have been mine. Had I not picked the chargers two weeks ago, Cincinnati is going to host Minnesota new quarterback. I got Cincinnati. You have Cincinnati. Cincinnati is my confidence pick. Indianapolis is going to host Pittsburgh. We both have Indianapolis. This is a trap game. And this game could go a long way for playoff seeding and playoff positioning in the AFC. Denver is going to go to Detroit. I got Detroit. You have Denver. 
you're really riding Russell Wilson, huh? I think this is going to be a wake-up call for Detroit. They have looked very lackadaisical. I um, think last week was the wake-up call for Detroit. To be honest with you. Uh, Cleveland is going to host Chicago. We both picked Cleveland. Why didn't you pick Chicago? You like that Joe Flacco stuff, don't you? Uh, the Cleveland defense is really good. Old man strength for the win. Tampa Bay is going to Green Bay. Battle of the Bays, we both have the Packers. Why do you have the Packers here, bud? Because it's in Green Bay? Because it's in Green Bay. Fair enough. Houston is going to Tennessee. We both have Houston. No, we don't. No, we don't. I'm so happy you made that change. That's an easy win for me. I'm picking Tennessee there. I mean, if CJ Stroud don't play, then that's probably uh The Jets are going to Miami. Right. We both have Miami. Sneaky game right here. This it one is be. very, very sneaky. With the way the Jets played last week, it absolutely could be. You got to explain this to me immediately. Kansas City at New England. You have New England beating Kansas City. Explain. No, no, no. You pussy. It was a typo. You fucking pussy. I actually will say this. Uh, I will be betting New England plus nine and a half, which is what the current spread is. The Giants Kansas City are, does not beat them by double digits. That defense is too good. The Giants are going to New Orleans after all that nice stuff you said about the Giants. You're picking New Orleans because it's in New Orleans? I actually would have switched to the Giants, but you need to catch up, so I won't. Atlanta, I, actually, I filled all these out, by the way, well before you did. So Atlanta is at Carolina. We both have Atlanta for obvious reasons. Washington is at the Rams. We both have the Rams. I don't love it, but I'm going to keep it. San Francisco is at Arizona. We both have San Francisco. <laughs> Dallas is at Buffalo. We both have Buffalo. No, we don't. Dallas. No, we don't. I'm. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I got to do it. You want to flip a coin floor to keep it different? Because nope. I was actually nope. going to flip. I was going to switch before you did. Nope. We already announced it. You have Buffalo. I have Dallas. Jacksonville is going to host Baltimore. Baltimore. You have Jacksonville. Why? Call it a gut feeling. So you think uh, eight and five Cleveland Browns team with an old Baltimore quarterback is better than the team that's leading the division they play in? This show's almost over. So I, I'm going to feel confident I can piss you off. And we still I can end the show without without it. This is the downfall of the Baltimore Ravens. OK, they will lose on Sunday night football tonight. It will lead them into a downward spiral, which will carry into San Francisco next week. Mm-hmm. Where they're going to lose to San Francisco also on primetime. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be reeling. And then they're going to have to start answering questions. What's wrong with oh. Lamar? Oh. Maybe Lamar gets hurt this week because we know we can't finish the season. Oh, okay. Philadelphia. Speaking of quarterbacks that can't finish the season, how's uh, how's the Sean Walton doing? He's getting yep. massages. He's relaxing. He's fine. Philadelphia is at Seattle on Monday Night Football. We both have Philadelphia. Just to update you on last week, I went 9-7. and seven, Dan went 7-9. and nine. I got the bonus point. Dan did not. I now sit at 124-98. and 98. Dan is at 143-79. and 79. 19 games cleared me, but I'm coming for you, bitch. 
I made up hey, two uh, games from the week before. Hey, Ed, do you want to put your hair on the line for that Baltimore-Jacksonville game? I do not. All right, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Once you shave it, it ain't coming back. That's not true. Believe me. Just because you shave it doesn't mean it doesn't come back. Oh, but if you guys saw his hairline, you'd know what I mean. Mm, funny, funny. Anyway, that's going to end this show. Unless you got something else you want to act like an asshole about. Oh, there's a lot I could, but we can just end the show. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, your team is not doing so hot. Can always be the players named later who can make it better. See ya!